Get ready for the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in. It is another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we uh, break down uh, District 4 activities week in, week out. Uh, We are going live for the first time ever on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. And you could tell I was unprepared. Normally, I'll start with myself (laughs) on the screen, and then I'll intro Scott and bring him in. Uh, this time, uh, I was completely the opposite direction. Scott was the only guy on the screen. So here we are, Scott. Uh, we're already, you know, off and running. <laughs> yeah, I I was uh, kind of the last guy to get the memo on the live stuff. And I'm kind of tuning in and getting all of these notifications like, we're going live, we're going live, we're going live. It's like, am I going to go live? Nobody ever puts me live. And for good reason sometimes, too. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is going to be interesting because you can't fix all these mistakes I'm going to make in post. Yeah, well, it's going to be really fun if somebody comes to my door. Uh, you know, we can't pause anymore. You know, yeah. <laughs> let me go yeah. take you. If the yeah. internet guy shows up at your house, Scott, you know, we're just going to have to roll with it. <laughs> yeah, or I have a cat just walk across the, the the keyboard. Anything is possible. So, hey, well, let's bring it on. Let's go. For sure. Now, I will just give you some behind the scenes, a little inside baseball, because there there was some confusion last week. We did our show, Scott. We posted it typically the way we've done it in the past is we've just pre-recorded it. And then, you know, within a half an hour of us finishing, I upload it to all of our different destinations. Uh, We had a question. Amy Scott Buell, super fan. Right. And she's a big fan of IdahoSports.com. She asked, like, hey, can you guys let me know when you're going to record? I'd like to tune in live to watch. Scott, you had a great answer. Hey, we don't do it live. We pre-record it. Um, I think that got the gears turning in uh, our corporate overlord's head, Paul Kingsbury. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I sat down for a meeting on Monday and a new mandate was issued. Yeah, let's do all the shows live. So uh, okay. if there's confusion, you can blame Paul. Paul, uh, <laughs> editor at IdahoSports.com. That's right. We'll blame, <laughs> we're going to blame Paul for just about everything. So uh, but no, I think it's a good thing. I mean, it's going to, I mean, we have a lot of people that subscribe to our various channels and, and uh, this will be a good thing. Get everybody alerted on the same page and you never know, might become interactive at some point. Yes. So that said, I can already see Scott. We've got a couple of people tuning in to see what it's all about. We are here to talk about district four athletics in the great state of Idaho. If there is a, a topic you want us to cover, there's a shout out you want to give to your favorite school, your favorite player, your favorite coach throw it in the comments. We'll throw it up on the screen. We had a couple yesterday during our North Idaho prep cast. So yeah, yeah, it really, this is what we do it for is the, uh, the athletes, the, the parents, the fans, the coaches. So yeah, we want you to be part of the conversation. Also, if you hit that like button and, and share this, it'll help people who weren't able to watch it live, find it a little easier down the line. Scott, our show today is going to be a lot of uh, g- girls basketball action because you know, we've, I, I won't get on the soapbox again and talk about how I don't like how early the season starts, but we're we're at the midpoint of the girls' basketball season, so it makes sense that these high-intensity, crucial matchups are occurring. And so we had several outstanding performances, especially from our smaller schools in the Magic Valley last week. We have to start with this double overtime classic between 1A D1 Murtaugh and 1A D2 Dietrich. The Blue Devils... Of course, got all the way to the state championship game last year where they fell to council. They brought back a lot of players from that team. They are fired up and motivated to get back and finish the job this time. They're 8-0 on the season, Scott. And in their toughest test of the season last week, they turned back Murtaugh, a really good Murtaugh team, in double overtime, 70-68. to 68. 
Yeah, boy, what a great game this was. I mean, Dietrich had three other starters actually foul out of this game. And, um, you know, the Sage Hubert, um, senior, she fouled out in the fourth quarter. Robertson, the junior, fouled out in the first overtime. And Van Tassel, the junior, fouled out in the second overtime. So, you know, that's going to be kind of the theme for the two games that we're going to talk about is fouling out. And, you know, Dietrich was able to kind of hang on. And, and they had to rely on uh, Jessica Power, their senior post player, to all of a sudden be the floor general. You know, everybody's kind of going down and all of a sudden like, all right, you're the post, but guess what? You're the point guard too. So why don't you come get us into an offense? And she did a fantastic job of keeping everybody composed, handling the ball really well, uh, and then just getting everybody where they needed to be. So, I mean, that was a big, big win over a really good Murtaugh team. Yeah, uh, and and that's what you have to do, Scott. You you coached girls basketball at the varsity level for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little different for you though, because where you were at, a little bigger, right? You probably had more a, de- a deeper bench, as it were. When you're talking about one A D two Dedrick and one A D one Murtaugh, you know it's not yeah. like you're you're calling up to the stands like, hey, <laughs> you got water, yeah. can you come down real quick and uh, suit up? <laughs> yeah, I mean th- that's no joke either. I mean you're seeing a lot of these smaller schools with, you know, six on the bench. And it goes right back to the, the state tournament that we keep going back to that you called a couple of years ago. And it was uh Camus, wasn't it? Yeah. That, that had just six on the bench. And if an injury happened or people got in foul trouble, boy, that whole ship was going down quickly. Yeah. That was when John boats was coaching them. And, and uh, he said that basically like, I've got six girl, I've got seven girls, but six that can really, cause one was kind of injured. And he said, we, you know, we, we would like to not use her if we don't have to. Um, and basically he said, uh, practices are interesting. You know, we basically have myself and my assistant coach in three chairs on defense. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. You know, we talked about that too, because that makes that whole animal that these guys are trying to coach these girls are trying to coach so different because you get to the bigger schools and you're keeping 10 11 12 we always kept 12 when i coached because all of our drills were in in sets of three people and so it was just kind of a math thing but they don't have that luxury and so scrimmaging and actually getting some game-like scenarios and circumstances are a little bit difficult and a lot of times they don't get that until an actual game you know, so it is a, it's a really different deal. Yeah. So circling back to, cause we'll talk about Camas County and the numbers crunch they're running into again this year, but back to the Dietrich and Murtaugh game. Uh, this is a Dietrich team that as long as, you know, everyone stays healthy and, and together, there's no reason that a, they can't get back to state and B be in the mix for, for the state title. You know, we do our girls basketball season previews and we send a form out to every coach and coach Rick Estelle filled his back out for Dietrich. He's kind of an understated guy. You know, he's just like, yeah, you know, we'll be, we'll be good this year, I think. And, you know, I think he's burying the headline a little bit. This Dietrich team is eight. No, Scott, no signs of slowing down. Yeah. And they've got some players. I mean, just look at this game in particular. I mean, uh, Caitlin Wanamaker led the way with 20 points and 10 boards. I mean, a double, double, you know, for her, um, Robertson, she had 19 points, four assists, four steals. And then, you know, we just talked about uh, post play from Jessica Power. She had a double double as well, 10 points, 16 boards. So this is a, a team that is is deep with talent. They've got some returners. They have a little bit of chip on their shoulder from last year being in that title game. And uh, this is a team that is playing really well and with a purpose. Yeah. And they have gone out and they have 
put together a pretty rigorous schedule here, Scott, and, but they've passed every test so far along the way. They have beaten 1A D1 schools like Valley and Castleford and Hanson and Glens Ferry and Murtaugh and Oakley, Scott. They would be in first place in the 1A D1 Snake River Conference. Uh, they beat Oakley last year's uh, defending runner-up. They beat a really good Murtaugh team, as we talked about, a Valley team that we think is going to be pretty good. Um, they've beaten their peers at the 1AD2 level. They beat Rockland, which has been a juggernaut from East Idaho the past several years. They won by 20 over Rockland, and they've even beaten Class 2A Wendell, 52-29. to 29. So they just keep passing every test, Scott. And so we're going to get into conference play soon. You know, the last big game on the schedule that I'm looking at here before they get into conference play is uh, next Tuesday. They're going to play Butte County, a pretty good Butte County team that's a 1AD1 program. But otherwise, if, if they get past that one, I think they roll into conference play. They're, and Coach Estelle's going to hate that I say this, but I think they could roll all the way up to their first matchup against Richfield still with a zero in that loss column. Yeah, you know, and that Butte County is going to be a nice litmus test for them because, you know, Butte County is a pretty dang good basketball team. I mean, they're four and one on the season uh, with some really big lopsided wins. And, you know, this is a, a team that is, is perennially good all over the place. They're only lost coming to uh, North Fremont uh, second game of the year. But, you know, they've got a couple of wins over Cary, um, you know, Rockland. You know, Salmon, which you never hear of, they blew out Salmon. But this is a good Butte County team. And for Dietrich, these are the teams that you need to play if you want to get better. You're going to have to step out of this uh, conference of yours and start playing a lot of these upper teams. And that is going to pay dividends down the road. Yeah, so D Dietrich is is in in fine form. Let's let's flip it to the one A D one side of things, Scott, on Murtaugh's mm -hmm. side. So we just talked about this Butte County team. They went to Cary and won the Cary Holiday Tournament last weekend. Um, it's a little four team uh, tournament with Cary and Rockland and Butte County, and then Wood River comes down and and competes in it as well. Um, they they beat Rockland 38-31. They beat Cary in the championship 46-28, beating the Panthers for the second time this year already. Uh, and so when we talk about the 181 Snake River Conference, I, I'm sure you remember last year, there was no shortage of teams uh, that were ready to step up. There was like seven or eight teams that were all within a game of each other last year in those conference standings. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk about this conference a lot. I mean, I'm assuming we're still talking about the uh... – uh, the 1A D1, D1. conference, right? Yes. I mean, Oakley and Murtaugh, Raft River, Cary, uh, you know, Glenn's Ferry and basketball, girls basketball this year. I mean, there are some really good teams. And, you know, and you look at a lot of these conferences and you can see that, you know, conferences sometimes aren't very strong. And that only hurts the teams that make it to state because they just have not been battle tested. And I really do believe that this conference does so well at the state level in all sports because they just beat the crap out of each other all season long. Because I mean, you look at the girls basketball standings. I mean, you've got four teams that are well above 500, you know, and they are good. Oakley, Murtaugh, Raft River, Glens Ferry. That's the order right now in girls basketball. And they are some really good basketball teams. Yeah, looking back to last year's standing, Scott, Oakley, 21-5, and five, Raft River, 24-3. and three. They played for the championship. Raft River beat Oakley. It was an all- Raft River versus Oakley in a championship. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Uh, 
uh, Oakley had beaten them a couple of times, but Rat Forever won the game that counted in the state final. Murtaugh went 16 and 7, missed out on state. Carey was 17 and 6. They missed out on state. Lighthouse Christian, 13 and 9. They missed out on state. Shoshone was 15 and 8. They missed out on state. Glens Ferry was 8 and 16. Valley was 6 and 17 because, well, somebody's got to lose to all these teams. <laughs> but I think yeah. if you put them in any other league, I think they would hold their own. <clears throat> I, I, I do too. And that, that's the unfortunate thing about this particular conference out of probably almost any conference in the state, really. Uh, is that there are so many good teams in this state that it is an absolute juggernaut and a grind of a schedule. And without a doubt, no matter what the sport is, there are going to be some really good teams left home out of this conference. Yeah. So for Murtaugh, you know, dropping that game in double overtime, Coach Todd Jensen, he's been around the block several times. Um, I think Murtaugh is still going to be okay. The question is oh, going to yeah. be, can they can they get over that hump and get to state? It's been a couple of years. They have, they've been playing Basically, they've been among the final three the last couple of years at districts. They just haven't been able to slide into that top two. Um, but Murtaugh off to a great start, five and two. Uh, the next big test for them, they also will play Butte County, mm -hmm. Scott, yeah. ironically enough, on Saturday, yep. uh, Saturday night in Murtaugh. So, you know, this will be another data point we can use to compare resumes as Kerry has, has played Butte County a couple of times. And now Murtaugh will get their shot. Yeah, you know, and Murtaugh is one of those teams that, they've always got some really scrappy players. They've always got some size, some physicality, uh, some, some strength. And, you know, and you said it, they just have not been able to get out of their own conference uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, and I think they could really do some damage at state if they get out, you know, any, any of these teams could, um, but, you know, I'll get a good look at them next weekend as they're going to come to our place for a little holiday turn. And uh, going to be tons of fun, and you know I know Todd well, known him way back from the Sugar Salem days, and and uh, so it's going to be fun. But uh, that's a really good Murtaugh team, and and we enjoy hosting their one A D one tournaments uh, at Jerome, and I get to sit courtside and be the PA guy and spin records and and watch these teams just battle each other, knowing that there are going to be a couple of good ones staying behind. You know, I think I did the research because I I. Uh, was on the call for one of Murtaugh's playoff games this year in football. And of course, Todd Jensen coaches the football team as well. But I, I wanted to know in all the sports, you know, what's his, what's his career record look like? I think his record in the state tournament for basketball, for girls basketball, something like 16 and six. Like when he gets there, they usually do pretty good. It's just, you know, getting yeah. there, right? Well, so, and, and it certainly helps when you wear a Sugar Salem jersey too. You're right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're there for a reason and he's done great things at uh, at Murtaugh as well so uh kind of kid him a little bit on that one but but no he's he's guy that like you said's been around the block he's got the experience so you know if he gets a team there that really the girls don't have experience a lot of times the experience factor comes in with the coaching and how you handle your players and the mindset you provide for them because you know we've seen or at least I've seen in my 30 years of coaching too coaches absolutely steer their players the wrong way when they get to the tournament because they're all amped up, you know, and, and the kids are going to follow your lead, you know? So the experience on the coaching staff really does help at a state tournament. Todd's got that. I hope he gets another chance. 
Yeah, this is kind of the year, right? They've had all these athletes that have been contributing to varsity the past several years. I feel like they've been there for 10 years, but you've got the Stanger girls and Courtney Jensen. And, you know, this is kind of the time where they're pushing it all, all the chips to the center of the table. Uh, real quick, Scott, you mentioned the Jerry Callen Memorial Tournament. It's mm -hmm. a, a staple in Jerome. That's going to be taking place next weekend. Uh, what's the tournament field looking like this year? Um, you know what? It's we, We've kind of shrunk it just a little bit because we want to keep um, – we, we just want to play and it's really kind of come down to a lot of local teams. Um, right now we've got, uh, Murtaugh's coming, Mountain Home is coming, um, uh, Filer and you know, the one that's coming the longest is Preston. Preston's going to make the drive down and, and play. So our format's a little bit different. We, you know, we play just a little bit of a round Robin style, not so much as a bracket style I mean, gold bracket. So you know, it's, it's more kind of, a laid back fun atmosphere because we'll feed everybody on Friday. And then, you know, right after dinner, we'll head to the gym and we'll have contests. We'll have fun. Um, we'll, we'll have three point shooting contest. We'll have, you know, dribble relays, 31 hot shots. You know, we'll, we'll play all these games for prizes and, you know, yep. on the mics at center court, just kind of egging everybody on and, and uh, just just making it a fun atmosphere. Music is blasting. Usually it's Christmas music that we're blasting. And and we just have a great time. And we did that for the first time, that little aspect of it um, last year. And it and it went over really, really well because, you know, these kids, they play basketball games all the time and, and they go to tournaments all the time. But you go to a tournament, you want to have some fun. You know, you want to have something different that you're going to remember. And, uh, and for a lot of those kids, they remembered that. And so we brought it back and we're going to do that stuff again. That's cool. No, that's uh, that's really awesome. That's a good wrinkle to add to it. That's next weekend in Jerome. If you're looking for something fun to, uh, to partake in as a fan. Uh, okay, Scott, one more girls basketball game. We've got to touch on from last week. It was another overtime affair, just a grueler. This time it, it was Hagerman. Uh, Hagerman at that 1A D2 level, you know, they're trying to punch through and break through. It's kind of been Dietrich and Richfield the last couple of years, but here's Hagerman on the periphery. They played Shoshone. They get the overtime win 39 to 35. Um, so it wasn't double overtime, but uh, Hagerman ran into the same problem Dietrich did. Uh, Coach Nick Gonzalez is looking down the bench and uh, well, there's nobody I can use anymore. <laughs> Yeah, they have the same thing happen. I mean, people are fouling out and they're got to finish this game with less than five, five kids. And, you know, it's uh, it was one of those games for Coach Gonzalez and Hagerman that was really kind of a, a coming of age game for these girls, because this is a really young team. Uh, I mean, when you look up and down their rosters, you know, their leaders are two juniors, you know, Danica Knapp and and Sarah Hillstead. That's th those are the guys. I mean, those are the, the leaders right there. Five sophomores. You know, with Asher and Colt and Colt and Pfeiffer and and Hauser, who's injured, but then they've got two freshmen as well. So I mean, this is a young team that is still learning to grow. You know, and for this game that they played against Shoshone, I mean, the big question is they had just gotten beat by Rockland the night before, and how is a young team going to respond after kind of getting thumped the night before? And you know, they they did. You know, they they kept the game close um, and. Down the stretch, they ran into those little problems, and I was talking to Coach Gonzalez about that. And, and um, you know, he said for the first three quarters, we did well. You know, we didn't foul. But in the fourth quarter in overtime, they committed 10 fouls. And they saw their 
kind of, it was a combination of youth and exhaustion. And a lot of times when, when you're coaching basketball and you get tired, you start, you know, playing defense more with your hands than your feet. You start reaching in your feet are the last thing to move. And then you're committing fouls and the whole thing just kind of goes out of control. And, you know, at one point he, he told me, he goes, at one point I was thinking about looking up in the stands, anybody, anybody can help out here, you know, just like you said. Um, but he went through that exact same thing. Yeah, so they get the 39-35 win in overtime. Peyton Lopez, 20 points to lead Hagerman in the victory. But yeah, three players foul out. So the five on the floor that finished were all that was left. And if anybody else had fouled out, you're starting to talk about five on four basketball, which is what happened to Camas County, Scott, just last night. Uh, Camas County, so for the girls' basketball team this year, numbers are consistently low it was it was low when they got to state three years ago when i was broadcasting uh, their run to state uh, and it's continued to just be low because they just don't have a lot of girls in the school right and and it's going to happen on the boys side too i know they've been very good in football and boys basketball but a lot of those guys are leaving too and then their numbers are going to significantly decrease on the boys side so this year they've got i think it's six players uh, on, on this year's team and, and knowing that, you know, they canceled a couple of games that were on their schedule early on or moved them back later just so they could try and find another player or two and make sure they all had practices and time to prepare. And, um, so here they are, they, they're playing, uh, you know, some teams like bliss and the Idaho school for the deaf and blind, just to kind of get some confidence for these players, uh, before they have to step in and play, you know, Dietrich and Richfield and Hagerman and all these juggernauts and so last night scott they are playing uh bliss they get the win 39 to 19 so like the outcome was never in doubt but scott one player gets injured one player fouls out and i guess they had five players uh so that leaves them with three players to finish out the game and so um this is something we'll dive into a little more in depth on our on our next show because it just happened last night but it's something I wanted to bring up. You don't see that often where a team finishes with three players, especially now with the shot clock. You can't you can't just bleed the ball anymore. You've still got to go out there and, and run offense. Yeah, yeah. Boy, it certainly changes the way that you coach. Uh, that's for sure. And every time I hear that, I always think back to Hoosiers where the, the one kid fouls out and the kind of the smart aleck kid gets off the bench and he goes, where do you think you're going? Into the game. He goes, no, you're not. Ref comes over and he goes, I need another one. He goes, my team's already out there and they played with four, you know? And so uh, it, it's one of those things that, you know, kids aren't used to uh, the space they have to cover defensively is a lot different. And uh, it's, I don't know. I, I think it could be, it could be fun, you know, not, not, you know, for a coach, by any stretch of the imagination, um, but it's certainly different. And, and boy, did we just see it this week in three different areas. Yeah, so we'll hopefully have a little more context on that story uh, in two weeks here on the Magic Valley PrepCast, Scott. But next week, in place of the the regularly scheduled PrepCasts that we do in North Idaho, Treasure Valley, East Idaho, and the Magic Valley, uh, we're, we're going to do a special statewide PrepCast. We do this occasionally. Um, so we are going to tackle the topic of Max Preps, Scott. This is something we've kind of been working on behind the scenes really since the football postseason. We were waiting for a good time to really, you know, do the deep dive, dissect, you know, what's working, what isn't. 
And this week, the IHSAA had their board meeting, and some of the things we have opined about spilled out into the public forum. And so I think this is the time if we're going to do it. So next week, uh, probably Thursday night is when we're going to do it. We'll have the official announcement um, later on IdahoSports.com. But next week, we're going to do a live special prep cast just about Max Preps and what's good and what's bad. Yeah, this has been something that's been brewing for a bit, too. Um, we we kind of jumped on it first when we called Max Preps and talked to them. And the information they provided us was like, really? And we'll get into that next week. But, you know, I think uh, there were a lot of things in this football season that really got exposed. And, and for a lot of our listeners, they don't know the half of it. So it's going to be interesting. I want to turn in for that one. We're going to take you, we're going to, we're going to peel back the curtain a little bit and take you And And this is why, you know, Scott, you're such a valuable resource to IdahoSports.com. You're obviously very good at what you do in terms of broadcasting and podcasting, but you're also an athletic director. So you, there's doors that you can open that we can't, right? I mean, there's just, there's just certain things you bring a, a very good perspective uh, to the discussion. So. Oh, well, I, I appreciate that. And, and, you know, Idol sports is kind of my, my love, you know, that's what I love to do and anything I can do to help out in this and use my, my, uh, platform and job to help do that. I'm, I'm going to do, but you know, this is definitely one of those that has a couple of different perspectives to it. And, uh, there's going to be some people that are going to get some information and they're going to be ticked. And then there's some people that are going to get information and go, I told you so. And it's you're just going to have to tune in and find out. Yep, it's going to be uh, an interesting discussion for sure. All right, Scott, uh, before we duck out, though, it is time for another edition of Scott's Thoughts. And uh, the topic that we gave this week was, how do you how do you avoid being the dominant personality all the time? You know, how do you find more tools in the toolbox besides just the hammer? You know, the hammer is good in a lot of situations, yeah. but sometimes... <clears throat> Sometimes you need the screwdriver, not the hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes you need to be that dominant personality, that alpha, that leader. But there are other times where, you know, you can back off a little bit and read the room. And I, I brought this up because of a specific interaction uh, at, at an East Idaho basketball game that mm-hmm. Sean Kane, our East Idaho prep caster, had talked about where this loud, braggadocious guy was just on the referees bragging basically that he knew them personally was calling them out by name and just like, you know, read the room, dude, like nobody wants to hear it, sit down and shut up. So that's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a interesting topic. I, uh, you could have gone a lot of different ways with it. So I'm really interested to hear. Yeah, me too. It was one of those things I was trying to figure out which direction to take this thing. And, and I, I kept coming back to fan behavior and it's not necessarily fan behavior that's directed at officials. It's just the absolute childish, um, immature behavior that we see in stands. And granted, it's not everybody, but that's the direction that I took it. And then, you know, for me, it's going to be all about kids anyway. And so you'll see that in the end. But that's that's kind of the vein in which I interpreted and took it. Okay. Well, here we go. It's this week's edition of Scott's Thought. In the supercharged atmosphere of a high school gymnasium, the bleachers are teeming with excitement. As parents sit with clenched fists and gritted teeth, game time approaches. It's an electric atmosphere. 
but that's about to take on a whole new identity. Pretty soon, the fervor of victory will overshadow the essence of the game. Normally reserved parents and fans will lose themselves in the heat of the moment, blurring the line between encouragement and aggression, between civility and hostility. Their voices will rise above the rest, drowning out the spirited encouragement of cheerleaders, the motivational instructions from coaches, and the shrill of the referee's whistle. Everything is now personal to them, and self-control slips away with each tick of the clock. And it's happening everywhere, at all levels, from peewee to high school to college and professional. The collective fan base have lost their collective minds. Now, before I continue, I have to mention that I'm not talking about all parents and fans because the majority, they're great. They do it the right way. But those who fit the following narrative, well, you know who they are, and hopefully they know who they are. You know, during COVID, we emptied the gyms and parents couldn't watch their children compete. It was the weirdest of environments. And for that entire year, parents were shut out missing entire seasons of sports. But there was something strange happening in these gymnasiums, something unexpected. The kids were relaxed. They played hard. They listened to their coach. They were having fun. Now you'd think that once we emerged from COVID, that COVID cocoon, we'd be beyond grateful to attend our kids' games again, that we'd be on our best behavior because we had just been denied access to a part of their lives. Not so much. Once we were allowed back into the venues, all the frustration from being cooped up and watching Tiger King, it all bubbled to the surface. And like unsocialized pandemic toddlers, we acted however the heck we wanted to, almost forgetting that we weren't at home anymore. And this behavior, it hasn't subsided. And the obvious question, is why, why does this continue to happen when we know better? And more importantly, how is this affecting our kids? Well, when examining this topic, you know, we could get all kinds of Freud and do a deep dive into our psyche and come away with trauma that traces back to childhood, such as, well, they had no voice growing up. They had to be allowed in a big family. They were neglected and desperate for attention. You know, all of those could play a part in why people are overly loud and obnoxious in the stands. But, you know, I'm not going down that road. In my mind, we're all adults and we should know better, regardless of our upbringing. It's been said that sports don't build character, they reveal it. And we've attached this mantra to our athletes and use it to help them drive through emotional times to make them a better athlete and a better teammate. But somehow we overlook that about some of our fans, and, and how much of their character is revealed through sports. You know, studies have actually shown that overzealous fans tend to associate their own self-worth with the performance of their teams, where a bad call is a personal attack and a loss is an individual setback. Their teams become part of their identity. You know, we see this a lot at the professional level, where fans act like sporting events are their own personal playgrounds. You know, how many times have you seen videos of fans fighting at an NFL game or a Major League Baseball game? Heck, some idiot even assaulted Dinger, the Colorado Rockies mascot. And this behavior is seen around the world and absorbed by our kids. 
you know, what fascinates me is how emotional and negative everyone has become. For a lot of these morons, it's about the 15 minutes of fame, the viral video, and of course, social media perpetuates the and practice and, and then glorifies it. You know, sports provides such an incredible emotional release that's supposed to be positive, but it's gotten to the point where you just pick an enemy and you hate them. And these strong negative emotions that we spew without even a second thought tend to narrow our minds and cut off our peripheral vision to the point that for the duration of the game, we exist in an emotional vacuum, completely oblivious to anyone around us. And if we don't learn to control ourselves, we will end up making a permanent decision based on a temporary emotion. Your mood should never dictate your manners. And no matter how many times this behavior repeats itself, whether at professional stadiums or high school gymnasiums or literally ballparks, we are left shaking our heads. What kind of people do this? Well, for one, the loud and overly obnoxious people are generally the unhappiest people in the arena. Psychologists say that they are the type of people who lack confidence and hide behind this boisterous exterior because they think it makes them appear self-assured, when in reality, they are just seeking validation and attention. Well, then you have the Al Bundy syndrome. And if you remember Al, he was an all-city player back in the day. And for some reason, that gives him the right to be the expert on everything. And he screams it from on top of the mountain for all to hear. He's also the guy living vicariously through his kid. He's also the guy you can't get to shut up. And he's also the guy that makes you realize that it takes a village to control the village idiot. And then you have the mob mentality. You know, we've seen it with riots in our streets where one bad idea is adopted by one person and then another and then another. And you know what's always baffled me about this is the post-championship rioting. Hey, hey, we just won the world championship. Let's burn this place to the ground. So dumb. And in the stands, negative sports fans can be kind of the same way. One abhorrent fan starts bellowing their frustrations and then someone else chimes in and then another and then the whole thing just spirals into a tornado of personal attacks, vicious insults and inexplicable behavior. And we've seen it everywhere. You know that moment, that moment in time between what we see and when we react, that moment is so important because we get to choose what happens next. But for too many of us, that moment is fleeting and the space almost non-existent. Our emotions are no longer subordinate to our logic. In short, I think we lack emotional intelligence. Couple that with broken filters, zero patience, and a reactionary mindset, and it's a powder keg of embarrassment. And our kids deserve better. And as they grow exposed to this childish and asinine behavior, one of two things tends to happen. One, they continue to play sports, but turn into the aggressive bully that was modeled for them. Or two, they stop playing altogether. You see, kids stop participating for a number of reasons, but losing enjoyment is near the top. And I've seen it through the years. So many kids that have had the fun sucked out of their sport because their parents act like buffoons. They end up seeing these kids as entertainment and their livelihood 
and stop seeing them as people, as kids. Now, I'm not saying sit on your hands and be silent at these events. Go crazy, be loud, be supportive, be positive. We want to look at our fan base and, and see them having fun, not negative lunatics who are one bad call away from a heart attack. You know, sure, we, we all get upset at games and we get frustrated and sometimes we let things slip. But those negative emotions need to be stepping stones, not campgrounds. We are better than that. You know, during September of 2017, South Carolina youth soccer tried something. It was called Silent September, where parents and visitors could not make a sound. Silence meant silence. There was no yelling, no clapping, no making noise of any kind at all while the ball was in play. Violators would be removed. The exercise was to start a conversation and raise awareness of unsporting behavior. It worked. The atmosphere was much like the COVID gyms I talked about earlier. Look, I, I know that this is a negative topic, but I feel like it's something that has to be addressed again. Like I said earlier, the majority of our parents and fans are amazing and they get it, but it's that growing percentage who treat youth sports as a rage outlet and they are undoubtedly scarring our kids in the process. And for me, when it comes to our kids, our most precious asset, let us never forget the profound responsibility that we have. The eyes of our children are always upon us, watching, learning, imitating. They don't see words, they see actions. For we are not just their parents, we are their teachers, their mentors, their heroes. And under the bright lights of competition, our actions and attitudes are more than just expressions of support for our children. They are powerful lessons in sportsmanship, respect, and character. Through our actions, our kids aren't just learning about the game. They are learning how to live life. They're watching us. The way we handle victory and defeat and the respect that we show, the encouragement that we offer, these are the lessons we should be giving them. In closing, our greatest legacy as parents won't be what we accomplished, but rather it lies in the assurance that we have ignited a spark of goodness, compassion, and strength in the hearts of our children. So be the examples they deserve and teach them through your actions that passion and emotion can be positive. And in doing so, we leave them a world that's brighter kinder, and full of hope. And those are Scott's thoughts. Nice. Way to go, Scott. I was wondering, you know, usually at the start of the show, we tie in, you know, what the little moniker next to your name is, the poke high. I totally, I, I was so shook from the uh, bumpy start to the show today. I forgot to totally ask what it, I knew it was going to tie into your Scott's thoughts in some way. And yeah, Al Bundy syndrome. We all yes. we all know an Al Bundy or two, don't we? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Those are the guys you can't get to shut up because they are the experts at everything. You know, so uh, yeah, I, was, I knew that you kind of came on a little bit frazzled and and uh, Al Bundy didn't you know come into the conversation, but I figured it would uh, with Scott's thoughts. Yeah, so Scott, we've got a lot of comments here from some of the other IdahoSports.com prep casters here. Paul Kingsbury says, from Poke High to Faber College. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. 
Sean Kane wants to know why is the fireplace not on? Scott? Oh, it is. You were just blocking it. It was. Okay. All right. Paul Paul then added, all he needs is a white bearskin rug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on that. I'm working on that one. And finally, probably the most uh, non-joking comment here, also from Sean. He said, a ref talked to me last night and said, thank you for my rant last week. Fans, do the right thing. That's that's basically the bottom line, right? Do the right thing, yeah. Scott. Uh, it is. And it's, it's so unfortunate, too, that there's so many great people in the stands and and they're, they're getting painted with this broad brush of of a bunch of idiots that just are too loud you know and it's one thing to be excited and positive and loud and leading the chants and the cheers but it's just another thing to see the vein in your forehead start to pop and 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 you've got this crazed look in your eyes and so many times when i see it i look immediately to their left or their right. And I see a little kid just staring at him, you know? And it's like, what are you doing, dude? This is what you want to show, you know? Uh, maybe we should have the parents, some of those parents go through the handshake line at the end and, uh, and learn a couple of things from our kids. Because I tell you what, when the game means more to the parent than it does to the kid, then you've, you've got an imbalance. Yeah, it's totally out of whack, Scott. So uh, another great edition of Scott's Thoughts. And even though, Scott, we're doing a special prep cast next week, I still wanted to give you a Scott's Thoughts to do at the end of our special Max Prep show, if that's all right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You bet. What do you got? Okay, so this whole Max Preps issue and a lot of what was brought up at this IHSAA meeting earlier this week, it all boils down to lack of transparency, right? And so... We all uh, in life, there, there are lies and there are uh, white lies and there are big lies. And then there are lies by omission. Sometimes it's, it's a lie just because you're not, you're omitting something. You're not giving the whole picture. And so that's what I wanted you to tackle next week is lies by omission. Because lies that's, by omission. That's, that's to me, it's almost, it's, it's just as bad as telling a white lie. So. Hmm. That's true. Uh, just quick knee jerk is it's, it's about trust. Yeah. You know, uh, you don't trust anybody if they keep things from you that are important. And, and too many times we base our livelihood on people. And if we're supposed to be this community in this society that, that embraces each other, then we've got to be transparent and I'll leave it at that because I do know that there are some things that are popping into my head right now that, that I, I need to kind of soften. Right. <laughs> and, and be a little bit more pensive on it, but, but you're absolutely right. Uh, it ties into our relationships and trust and, and everything else. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to do that one. Scott, you've got a lot of females in your house. You can help, you know, help them out, uh, have them help you out and soften it a little bit. And oh my word. <laughs> and then, yeah. And there'll be glitter, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. my word. Yeah. Yeah. And Paul's got thoughts here. He says sometimes people claim to keep things from you for your own good because they know better than you. It's that Al Bundy syndrome again. And Sean says you need more help than that. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh, Sean, I need I need more help than people can give me. There is not a, a group of therapists that could tackle what's going on up here. <laughs> yep. 
So yes, next week, uh, IdahoSports.com Max Preps Special. It's going to be uh, either Wednesday night or Thursday night. We're still ironing, ironing, ironing out the kinks. Boy, I'm really struggling today on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't do shows on Friday typically. It's a, a Marty yeah. weekend mode. Yeah, I'll, uh, work, I'll work on getting that a little bit sooner. It's just like, holy cow, the week gets away from me. And I'm like, ah, all right, can we go Thursday? No, can we go Friday? So I'll try to be better. No, it's it's all good, Scott. Uh, so yes, next week, Max Preps special in place of our regular prep cast. We'll be back with our regularly scheduled prep casts in two weeks. But until then, enjoy the competition this weekend, everybody. For Scott Burton, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we will see you next time on the Magic Valley Prepcast on IdahoSports.com.